Welcome to the High Achievers Club. This podcast is for you, the big dreamer, goal getter, ceiling breaker, trailblazer, and quota crusher. You're in the right place if you want unstoppable success without sacrificing yourself and your sanity in the process. I'm your host, Becca Powers, best-selling author of Harness Your Inner CEO. And here at the High Achievers Club, you will get the tools you need to have a professional and personal life that thrives beyond your wildest dreams. Welcome to episode 12 of the High Achievers Club. Hello, hackers. Today, I have with you a very special guest. I just appeared on so now I'm inviting him on this one because we had an excellent conversation. I'm so excited to share it with you. Today, my guest is Adam Homey, speaker, author, consultant, trainer, podcast creator, and 10-year host. 10-year host, that's pretty freaking awesome, Adam, especially in the world of podcasting when people are turning over a lot. One thing that I really like about Adam is he's a founder and executive director of The Reach System, and he works with entrepreneurs and business creators to launch their business building podcast as their key networking, client attraction, and celebrity expert branding tool. So high achievers out there, if you have podcasts in mind, get in touch with Adam after this because he can help you leverage that to increase your business. So with that, Adam, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself on something I may not have hit. Hello, Becca, and always a pleasure. I think you hit most of the main points here. I would like to add just one thing that's very important. I'm not sure what components of our audience may be seeing the video version or which may be hearing the audio. And even if you're listening to this just through audio, you may hear that I have one of my supervisors with me. When I say supervisor, I say supervisor. My cat, Princess Alessandra Francesca, who joins me for all of my webinars, all of my podcast interviews, all of my live streams. It's great to have that feline supervision, although I will tell you that bring your cat to work day is usually a disaster. Alessandra gossips the whole time, and her (laughs) non-sister, Princess Stella, will go into the break room, and she'll disappear while the coffee is still percolating and won't show up again until quitting time. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I love that. Yeah, you know what I did that was hilarious one time is on my social media as an entrepreneur. Every day for like a month, I posted, today at the office, bring your cat to work day. It took 27 days before somebody pointed out the obvious. (laughs) That's so funny. You can't see behind me, but I have a couch full of dogs. I've got three, three behind me, which is I bring my dogs to work too. Well, let's get into today's topic. I'm so excited to discuss this. So I've been on a burnout spree for the last few episodes. And on episode 11, what I started talking about is what I have referred to as stage three of burnout, where after experiencing feelings of being undervalued, underappreciated, and underrecognized, a person then tries to show that they are all those things, and then they over and they overwork and overstress and overwhelm. And then when no one really seems to notice or care, and stage three is when someone really starts questioning their belonging. Do I belong in this organization? Should I stay or should I go? Should I get a different career? Like all of these questions start happening. And when someone doesn't action on that and they actually stay in the position, which is fine, they normally get what I call a case of the fuckets. Like, I'm just going to work eight to five. I'm going to clock out. But 
we had briefly touched on that when I was on your podcast and you had said something really incredible where you're like, hey, if you're a leader, you need to pay attention to that. So I was like wanting to turn it over to you, Adam. What do you have to say about that? Well, I can tell you a bit about my own experience. Before I became an entrepreneur in 2005, I worked for three different companies. The first one was a short-term gig that I took right out of college so that I would have something to pay my bills while I actually conducted a job search. And really, just candidly, they were nice people and it wasn't a bad environment. But the turnover rate, I think, was something like 132%. I don't know. I'm probably exaggerating only slightly. It was hard to give a fuck, candidly. It was rote work (laughs) and they really didn't expect you to last the whole year. Nothing personal. It's just it was such an entry-level job. Within a year, you're either going to move up or you're going to move out. That's just the way it was. And I wasn't planning on staying very long, so it was fine by me. The second, I worked for a temporary staffing firm as a recruiter for eight months and 16 days, but who's counting? The (laughs) environment there, and I don't care who's listening, was so horrible that I celebrate the day that they asked me to resign for no valid reason as my second birthday, April 27th. In fact, I wrote about this in my contribution to the anthology Journeys to Success in Millennial Edition, which is part of the Journeys to Success series created by the late Paul Cunningham. That is number two. Number three is I worked for four and a half years for a company, and overall, it was a pretty good experience. The work in some cases was interesting. This is the job I first acquired as a result of taking advantage of internal openings while I was working at temp position. And what was really cool about it is it was a full-time job I could hold down while I was pursuing my MBA. It was right across the street from the university, walking distance. That's cool. And the work that I was doing actually related to my MBA concentration. I mean, you couldn't ask for anything more than that. It was great. And for the first couple of years, it was awesome. It was a young, energetic, revolutionary company, all hands on deck, all ideas considered. And I thrived in that overall. My one challenge that I recognized later on as a result of self-exploration and self-development was I had a tendency to be very critical of myself So even the slightest bit of feedback could put me into a cataclysm. I had experiences through my development growing up educationally and interpersonally, where if I did something perfect, that in itself was a problem because, oh, I'm just Mr. Perfect. Or if I actually had an answer for something, oh, you have an answer for everything, don't you? And I think a lot of folks deal with that. And one of the things I believe to this day is underestimated is the impact that our experiences, our formative experiences can have on what happens in our jobs. And those I love that. things and those things can come up as patterns and they can inhibit our progress and our ability to contribute to the organization. I acknowledge retrospectively there was a bit of that. But here's yeah. what started happening in my time there. The company became less revolutionary and more corporate and more role bound. After I completed my MBA, I got diagonally promoted, which means upward into a different department. It was right around this time that I decided that rather than pursue the career path using my MBA, I was going to use the degree as one of my tickets to create an entrepreneurial venture. I got involved in some side hustles, some side gigs, and I formed a limited liability company around that, and I was building that into a full-time organization. Now, for two years, 
I kind of seesawed between, am I going to continue the corporate hustle or am I going to grow this business and do my own thing? It went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. For two years, I sat there because I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know what questions to ask. And I, I, didn't, and I didn't know that the questions were there to be pursued. Well, one day in November 2004, due to some complete misunderstanding and just one of those things that can happen at any time, I found out what a fucking obtuse moron my boss's boss really was. <laughs> People tried to warn me she wasn't as nice as she portrayed herself as, but I found out. I mean, I found out this day she was actually worse than Warden Norton in Shawshank Redemption in terms of being obtuse. I mean, it was unreal. So at that point, my decision was made. I was getting out of there. But I was still there for about nine months because the time I didn't have the body of knowledge to understand it, I had several ways I could have jumped full time into my entrepreneurial venture pretty much then and there. But my experiences, my education didn't really give me the background to formulate a plan that quickly. I was expecting a very high dollar amount before I'd even take the chance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So let me go over a few things. Sure. Number one, you heard me use a phrase like fucking obtuse moron. For the leaders listening, be aware that you will probably never find out directly that you're being called names like that. And if that exists in your organization, that's a major problem. And I empathize because I empathize with you as the leader, actually, and with your employee as well. But I empathize with you simply because you yourself, through no fault of your own, may be caught in some sort of pattern yourself. And these are Very areas that out. Becca works on, and you can speak with her about that. She can be a great resource for you. Second thing is that due to the concerns that people may have about well, you know, I don't want my next employer to think I'm a malcontent. They may keep that sort of under wraps, but the fact that they're murmuring it and other people are hearing it is chiseling away at the effectiveness of the organization. Mm -hmm. And the third thing I'm going to mention is I'm telling you a story about something that happened 20 years ago, and I'm still saying it. It stays with us. It, stays, it stays with us. And I don't really like burn up over it anymore, but it's a great story. As podcasters, Becca, you and I, one of the powers that we have is we are the voice of our listeners. We say things and have the opportunity to tell stories that others may not be able to share themselves, even though their experiences have been similar. They can then stand beside us and say, oh, yeah, yeah, you get it. Oh, I had something like that happen to me, too. And in doing so, they can stand up, walk beside us and still have the opportunity to experience the journey of self-development, self-improvement that otherwise they would be denied if they were unable to address the issue at all, even to themselves. 100%. And one of the things that I would love for you to maybe get into the emotions of, again, I know we're going back in time a little bit, yeah. but it really leads to this state of what we were talking about, where someone just is like, you're like, I'm just going to stay for nine months. I mean, this mm -hmm. stage where organizations are filled with people who are just one foot in, one foot out. Yeah. And what I would love to do is like you mentioned underestimated and I surveyed 8,000 working professionals on the unders and what I call the unders and the overs and underestimated was in the top five of the frustrated feelings that employees are feeling right now. 
and probably due to micromanagement and stuff like that. But I haven't really heard anybody that I've interviewed yet say they were got frustrated because they were underestimated. And I just love that you said that. So can we talk a little bit about that? Okay, Bill Clinton made a political career out of being underestimated. One could argue that Donald Trump did the same thing. That being said, being underestimated is something that generally doesn't feel good unless you're using it strategically to exceed expectations and create a perception that you're an even greater winner than you are. Underestimated, underappreciated, undervalued, undernoticed. These are things that can cause an employee to look within themselves. And I'm not talking about introversion versus extroversion, but to look internally and make a decision that may come down to, well, fuck it. However, they may not be in a position to just stand up and walk out, like take this job and shove it style. Exactly. Yeah. So here's how this may manifest. And I want to make sure that everybody's listening to this very closely. Your malcontents, in my estimation, in my experience, at least 50% of the time, are some of your company's greatest assets. They can shed light on your opportunities for growth, which could be your opportunities for success if simply addressed. The fact that they speak out at all means that they care. Maybe it's that they care that they would like to have a great experience at work. Maybe they care in the sense that they want to illuminate a problem so that the problem can be solved. And maybe that's about half of them. And sometimes you do have people who just want to gripe and just want to rock the boat for the sake of seeing the waves. So I know it's a fine point distinction between those two types. So your malcontents, and I think about half the cases, can be a great asset to your organization. What a danger zone for you is when a malcontent stops speaking up, but they're yes. still there. That's where this we were going on the last is talk too. The point of inflection. Now they may not be slacking. They may not be drifting off. In fact, they may actually do be doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing exactly to the specifications that have been given to yes, them, sir. exactly to the standards that the organization is asking for, but not a bit less and not a bit more. These folks will have a printed out copy of their job description. You'll probably find it in their desk, in the right-hand drawer. You pull it out. The staple on it is going to be loose. It's going to have dog ears and be a little wrinkle, <laughs> probably going to have a couple coffee rings on it. The reason is they're referring to this document frequently to check to make sure that anything that's being requested of them and anything they're doing is within the scope of their job description. And they print it out because they don't want IT, if they're being targeted for monitoring, to notice that they're looking at their job description 18 times a day. (laughs) It's so true, though. These folks actually will begin flying under the radar. So the complaining, the raising their hands, the ideas for improvement, that all disappears. And they do a competent job from nine to five. That they is take 100% that, right. They take that full hour for lunch. And unless they're banking PTO because they want a nice chunk of change when they do leave, they are taking all their vacation sick days and everything that they are entitled to as an employee. And if they're supposed to get two 15-minute breaks, you better believe that's <laughs> they're gonna take 30 them. minutes <laughs> off your productivity. <laughs> They will not stay late. They will not come in on the weekend. And that's it. So that's it. they're not going to hand you 
an opportunity, at least intentionally, to justify terminating them or moving them to another position simply because they're just waiting it out till the next thing comes along. In fact, the less they're noticed, the less they're integrated, the better in that case. These are the ones who are danger to your organization for the following reasons. The fact that they are now flying under radar means that they may do things that, while actually are not on the surface bad, can be less than beneficial to your organization. These are the employees who may go so far above and beyond for your customers that it actually puts you in a strategically disadvantaged position. These are the ones who will give any complaint that anybody has about your organization, whether it's a customer, a vendor, a stakeholder, all of it's due. They will certainly think about all this in the evening when they're home after working their exact eight hours walking their dog. Hello there, hackers. Pausing the podcast for a moment because you know I'm all about breaking up those burnout cycles and getting you to your peak potential. So I want to offer an opportunity for you to self-assess whether you're in burnout or not. So if you go to BeccaPowers.com forward slash burnout, there's a free assessment for you there. All right, let's get back to the show. That is exactly right. You know, when I reflect back on my years of sales leadership, and I always had like a saying, I'm like, if they're complaining, they're selling because they're engaged, they're passionate, something's going on. And the moment someone goes silent, and like you said, they're doing their job just well enough that they're not ending up on a spreadsheet somewhere. They're just flying under the radar. That's when you got to be concerned because something's going on. Yeah, the best part is, is they're not just doing the bare minimum. In some cases, they're doing a highly competent, very yes. good job. That's the best part. You that's, and that's that why it's so hard to off. tell. <laughs> yeah. So you may think, oh, well, and this is part of the danger zone. You may say, oh, well, they were a malcontent. They're always complaining. They're always running their mouth and causing disruption. And now they're quiet and they're more focused on their work and their work has actually improved. Well, maybe according to certain measurement standards, their work has, quote unquote, improved, that's only simply because they've given up trying to really make anything better. They're here to do their job and go home. Exactly. Exactly. I love that you double clicked into that because it's so important to feel that like texture of what's really happening underneath the covers. One more question, because I know we keep these episodes short here on the hack, but for someone who's listening, who as the individual, as the high achiever themselves might be feeling underestimated what did you do to change your state or what tips would you have for them? Well, I'm going through a situation right now with my housing, actually, where I feel very strongly that I'm getting ripped off by my landlord. I don't care if they're listening. I've said this to them directly. (laughs) And they had an issue with the fact that I would bring up my complaints every single day. And for about the past month, I haven't really said a word. What do you think is happening? Mm-hmm. You are burnt out on that place and you are considering, should I where say, you, should I go? Where do you think my energy is going? Not to them. Precisely. It could be going many different places. It could mm-hmm. be going toward raising capital to fund a down payment on a house. It could be looking at other apartments. It could be saying, 
well, you know what? Is Las Vegas where I want to spend the next three years? I'm portable enough. Maybe I'll try another city. There could be a lot of things going on here right now. But the fact that I'm not putting any energy into trying to improve my situation in and of itself, but I'm looking to improve my situation by making some sort of change to it, that's where you lose somebody. When I was complaining every day about how things are around here, that was me saying, look, I like it here. I want to stay here forever. I just want to feel like that this is fair and I want to feel like that I'm appreciated and that I'm getting everything that I was promised. That was me caring. That was me wanting to be part of this. But when I drifted off, what happened? And this is the same with interpersonal relationships that people go through. I've had situations with dating. I can think of one within the past year where for the last few weeks of it, it went from me being the type that wanted to go out on the town, do adventures. I was always looking for opportunities to see more of her. And then it changed to, well, okay, well, if you have time this week, we can hang out for a couple hours. And then, man, let's not really go out. I'll just come over. We'll have dinner or something. It took her about a month to notice what was happening. She got it, but all the same. And it does so happen look, in look, the stages like that. Yeah. So look at these correlations. How people deal with their job situations. How people deal with their housing situations. How people deal with their romantic situations. It can also be the same with platonic friends. If you go from hanging out with somebody all the time, always chatting with them, always texting with them, to yeah, well, I'll see when I see you. That that could be a case where they've essentially already abdicated from the relationship completely emotionally while still maintaining certain aspects of it because it's easier than just breaking it off. Like that employee you have sitting in your cubicle right now who has tried so hard to bring their brilliance and their passion to their organization only to be rebuffed at every turn. So now they're not going to bring brilliance Mm -hmm. and bring passion. They're going to bring competence and compliance. Because your brilliance and passions, and this is where I want to end this, where I have to say anyway, and I know, Becky, you'll take it from here, because when you change from brilliance and passion to competence and compliance, that doesn't mean your employee doesn't have brilliance and passion. That doesn't mean your tenant doesn't have brilliance and passion. That doesn't mean your boyfriend, girlfriend, significant other, life partner, husband, wife doesn't have brilliance and passion. They have it. They're just not giving it to you anymore. Oh, mic drop, Adam. Mic (laughs) drop. I'm going to close it up there because that was just so perfect. Adam, please tell our guests how they can follow you and get in touch with you. All right. So I'm the only person with my name you'll find on Facebook or LinkedIn. To look me up by those names, those are the only two networks in which I participate. If you find anything else with my name on it, disregarded. Facebook and LinkedIn are the two main things. For this audience, I actually have two things for you to consider. You may benefit from checking out my book, which is called Groundhog Day is an Event, Not a Business Strategy, which is essentially a primer for how to achieve maximum results in your organization through minimalism, essentialism, and adjusting your language. As leaders, as CEOs, as directors, managers, stakeholders, board members, as employees, you can find so much in this book that may help you move the needle just a little bit. And perhaps even help you find a way to re-spark that flame if it's gone out lately, from that, awesome. no matter what position you're in. And I have another thing for you that you may also want to consider. I know this is a little bit of a new thing, and I know that 
a lot of your listeners may not necessarily be thinking to themselves right now, I want to launch a podcast. However, however, what we are seeing, if this is a corporate audience, is more and more these days, as I like to say, your published book is your resume and your podcast is your cover letter. I love Let me that. say that again. Your published book is your resume and your podcast is your cover letter, particularly if we're talking C-level positions, if we're talking board of director type positions, or if you're in a stakeholder type situation, in addition to being an owner, a CEO, a shareholder, what have you. So agreed. I just created a brand new resource. I haven't even told Becca about this yet, so it's going to be a surprise to her too. If you go to www.podcastpurgatory.com, since we're on the subject of cautionary tales here in our <laughs> conversation today, this is my compilation of cautionary tales about podcasting and how to properly launch your podcast because if you don't, it's going to end up in a purgatory where it basically goes to die. And if launching your podcast is something you're interested in, I want you to proceed with that. So in that case, go to www.podcastpurgatory.com and to pick up a copy of my book, it's www.thegroundhogbook.com. That is awesome. Adam, thank you so much for joining The Hack today. I definitely enjoyed the conversation and all the wisdom and storytelling. It was fantastic. Yeah, and I know I just extended two invitations to your audience, and I know they say only extend one, but you know what? We're going to hack this, and we're going to... Hey, we're high achievers here. And we, and we're gonna, more is good. We're going we're to deliver <laughs> where they find themselves needing support right now. And tell yes. your friends. Yeah, exactly. Tell your friends. It's good. Thank you again, Adam. It was great. Bye. Well, hackers, that concludes today's episode. If you loved what you heard today, share on social. Follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, all at the same handle, at BeccaPowers1313. Share this episode, tag me in it. And if you really, really love the episode, please rate and review it too. It's the best way to show a podcast host some love. Like Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg said, till the next episode. See you then.